You know, I'm so excited. If you want to take out your worship folder and uh, take your sermon outline out, I want to jump right into it today. We're kicking off a brand new series uh, for this Christmas season called Reclaim the Joy. You know, this season of the year is often called the most wonderful time of the year, um, but it's also filled with a lot of stress. And, and you know, for honestly, for a lot of us, it's filled with a lot of other things that really make this one of the most challenging times of the year. Um, and as I was just spending some time thinking about um, sometimes how heavy this season can be, I thought, you know, isn't it, isn't it a shame that here we are in this moment in earth when we talk about Christ coming, uh, his birth, that here's the moment when God reveals his great love to our planet. And, and here how God reminds us that we are never forgotten and never alone. And, and yet in the midst of that, sometimes we miss all of that and get lost in our pain. And yet today, what I want to do is I want to go back to a story that will be very familiar to most of you, and I want to unpack that for the next few weeks and just talk about how do we reclaim the joy in our lives. Now, I know a lot of you have been already in the throes of it, chopping and getting everything. How many, how many of you, be honest enough to admit, already you could use a little more joy this Christmas? Anybody? Yeah. Now, let's talk about how do we do that together. Here's the story. Let's go and throw it up on the screen for you. You can follow along in your outline if you want to. By the way, we have Bibles in the back of the pews. If you would like to keep one of those, those are our gift to you. Feel free to do that or feel free to take one home to somebody else that you know. Let's look at Luke chapter 2. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks when? At night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Well, yeah. Uh, but the angel said to them, read it out loud with me, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. I'll keep reading for you. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you, and he is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, well, let's go to Bethlehem and let's see this thing uh, that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And so they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and a baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. But Mary, she treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. Now, I've read this story um, literally hundreds of times through the years. And um, when I was sitting down with it and thinking about this message and this topic, there was something that jumped out at me that I'd never seen before. And just, it's so interesting to me how sometimes God will reveal stuff to you that, you know, you've read over and over again, and yet in that moment in time, you see something that you haven't seen. I just, I'm always amazed by this. But I, I, I caught it and it, and it, and it just kind of made me sit back in my chair and go, that is so cool. And it says, and the shepherds were keeping watch over their flock when? At night. And as I read that, something hit me. Isn't it a fact that it is in the night times of our life? 
It's in the dark times of our life that God has this incredible, unbelievable way of breaking through when we never expected him to come. I mean, the angel bursting through the sky was the last thing that these shepherds were expecting. It had been 400 years since the last prophet. It had been a long time since anyone had heard from God. In fact, many people in Israel felt like God maybe had forgotten them. But yet in this nighttime moment, the angels came. And I thought, you know what? For many of us, that's where we're at right now. It's a dark time. And as much as we would love to say this is the most wonderful time of the year, I bet if we were just going to get honest and start sharing our current story right now, there would be some of us to say, you know what, Steve, it's not really the most wonderful time of the year right now. It's actually a very dark time for me, and I need to know how I can reclaim some joy. Is it even possible for God to come at a time like this? Come on, this is just us. How many of you have ever been at a place in your life, and you've honestly thought to yourself, This is hopeless. This is absolutely hopeless. There's no way out. Anybody ever been there? Yeah. But yet, you know, here's what we discover. God can make a way when there seems to be no way. Amen? As some of you know, I'm I'm a a huge Oklahoma City Thunder fan, and um, I'm going to try eventually to make you huge Oklahoma City Thunder fans. That may be everybody but Kevin Rohr. Kevin's never going to become a Thunder fan. But for those of us who love, I love, everybody see the game Friday night against the Timberwolves? Okay, Okay. come on, honestly. How many of you were watching the game against the Timberwolves and you turned it off before it was over? Yeah, yeah. Well, for those of you who haven't been saved yet and you're not Thunder fans, <laughs> um, it was such a great game. They had this real close game with the, Thunder, with, the, with the Timberwolves and it looked like actually they were gonna really run away with it and then the Timberwolves came back and they caught up and it got to the very end. And the Thunder, interestingly enough, have, lo- have lost the most games in the NBA by games that were decided by seven points or less. And they just seemed to have a real hard time. Well, this game was really close and it got to the, to the very end. And, and here you are, um, uh, Carl Anthony Towns, who's a great shooter, was at the free throw line. The Thunder were down by a point. And, you know, again, they're at the far end of the And there's only 1.1 seconds left in the game. And everybody's leaving. It's over. I mean, all Carl Anthony Towns has to do is actually miss this free throw. And the rebound will come down. It doesn't matter who gets it because as soon as the rebound comes down, the clock will start and it'll click off 1.1 seconds in a hurry and the game, the game will be over. But that's not exactly what happened. Here's what happened. Play that clip. They made it. So Adams launches it to shoot a shooter, catches and scores. Come on, give it up. Give it up. He kissed the cop. Did you see that? He, he ran the cop over, then he kissed him. And what a pass by Stephen Adams again, folks. Now, nobody, nobody in that building, nobody in America thought they were going to pull this game out. But this, this shot that Schroeder hit sent the game into overtime, and then the uh, Thunder absolutely obliterated the Timberwolves in overtime and won this game. I'm telling you, if they don't understand yet, this is a divinely anointed team. <laughs> now, I, I know some of you doubt me with this, but honestly, it, it's in the Word of God. Throw that passage of Scripture up on the screen. God's voice is glorious in the thunder. <laughs> and all God's people said, <laughs> it's glorious in the thunder. 
And God can come to you in your dark moments, in your hard moments, in the moments that you think are impossible. God can show up in ways that you never imagined. And this morning, I want to kind of unpack this idea with you for a few moments about how do we, how do we really find joy in those dark times? Are you ready? Here we go. Let me give you a few thoughts. In our dark times of need, God comes with his provision. God comes with his provision. Come on. How many of you have ever found yourself with a lot more month left than money that you have and found that somehow, some way, God makes it stretch. Anybody, anybody ever been there? And, and it's amazing to me how God does this time and time again. And no matter what your need is, what you discover is God is a God of endless resources. He's not only a God with a cattle on a thousand hills. He's a God who can do a lot of things that you never thought were possible. And God can meet you right where you are. In fact, I love this passage of scripture from Psalm 46. I'll throw it up on the screen. Let's read this out loud together. God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. Now, look at, look at me. I, I want you to hear this. This is so. One of the things you're going to discover is sometimes, even before you get to your day of trouble, God is already setting things up to meet your need. That's what he talks about in Isaiah when he says, even before you ask, I will answer. God's already there. Can I give you a great example of this? This is so cool. Throw that picture up on the screen. That uh, beautiful couple right there, that's uh, Tyler Moon on the left. Tyler's a 25-year-old, lives up in, in Minnesota, and uh, that's his fiance Anna, I think her name is. And uh, Tyler, in, on October the 6th, was running in a 10-mile run uh, up in Minnesota. Tyler, uh, to his credit, um, lost a lot of weight. In fact, in a little over a year, he lost like 100 pounds. Uh, and he, he started out, uh, you know, he, he changed his diet, but then he started walking, and then he started jogging, and then he started running. And, and as, he, as he did that, he was able to drop all this weight, and he got himself to a really great, healthy place. Well, for the first time, he's been running, and he's been building up. This is a 10-mile run. And uh, I don't know how many runners we have in here. I can't run 10 miles anymore. I can barely drive 10 miles anymore, you know. But he's, he's set up for this 10-mile 10, 10 run. But Tyler, Tyler was a, a deeply de devout Christian. And he said he felt like a nudge from God that I want you to be a really good witness at this run. And so Tyler wasn't sure what that meant. And then he had, he had this idea. You know, when you, when you run in a race like that, you get a bib with a number on it that you wear. And then they usually put your name on it. Well, Tyler decided to do something a little different with his bib. Throw that up on the screen. He put Jesus saves on his bib for his name, where his name would go. And he thought, you know, I'll wear that. And that's Tyler on the left with his weedy shirt and his, uh, the bib on his, on his shorts. And he thought, you know, maybe, maybe some people will see that and maybe they too will, will believe or maybe they'll just ask some questions, but, but they'll know that Jesus saves. Now, Tyler did well. He, he was running really well, but he got to the eight mile mark and something crazy happened. He had a heart attack. He actually went into uh, ventricular fibrillation, and his, his heart um, went into cardiac arrest, and he literally did a face plant on the pavement. And when he went down, um, 
Fortunately, this race was actually sponsored by a, a, a group that a company that makes medical equipment, one of the things they make is a defibrillator. Actually, they provide like 70% of the defibrillators in the world. And uh, Tyler, Tyler does a face plant. Well, these runners who are running with him, a lot of them are also medical people. And, and so when Tyler goes down, people see it, and they ran to him, and they were able to, to get Tyler flipped over, and they realized that he was going into cardiac arrest. So the first person on the scene began to do compressions. Uh, it was a nurse, a nurse anesthetist, actually, who started doing the chest compressions, and there were other medical people standing by. Somebody called 911 to get the squad out, and, and while they were doing that, they changed positions, and there were like a whole group of people that did chest compressions and really kept him going until they were able to get him and get his heart. And, and Tyler ended up being fine. I ended, it was nominally, they have no idea what happened, but he was in Ended up just ended up in the hospital, but he was fine. He's healthy. He's fine. He, he's going. But but here's what I thought was so funny. Throw that next picture up on the screen. This is Tyler in the middle with the people who responded to him. And what was crazy was the guy immediately to the right, right there. Uh, as you're looking at the screen, Tyler's left. You're right, right there. The guy in the, that long sleeve shirt. Uh, that guy was the first guy on the scene. He's the nurse. The anesthetist was the first one to see him. Drop down and began to do the compression. His name, Jesus. Jesus Bueno is his name. Or actually, if you're going to translate in English, good Jesus. Well, that was a really good Jesus for that day, baby. <laughs> and it was so, can, can you get, I mean, get, do you understand the irony? Here's a guy who says Jesus saves on his bib, and Jesus literally saves him right there on the spot. You know, kind of. Well, it was so funny, and I'm reading this article, and I'm dying laughing when I read this. I just can't believe the irony and all this. But Tyler, it was so cool, you know, what Tyler said, he said, you know, he said, I believe with all of my heart that God was fully prepared for that moment of my collapse. He had me at the right race with the right people uh, in the right circumstances where they were able to spring in to action. Here's what I want you to get. And if God can do that for Tyler, God can meet you at your point of need too. God is fully aware of what you're going through. And he can meet you with his resources wherever you are. Amen? Let's talk about another piece of the dark night. Uh, in our dark nights of sorrow, God comes with his comfort. In our dark nights of sorrow. You know, during the course of this, uh, this last year, I know that there are several of us in, in this room right now that we've, we've lost people who are close to us. And it's really hard in the holidays when you're trying to be celebratory and yet at the same time your heart is so heavy um, with the people that you miss. And there's this unbelievable thing that God can do that he doesn't, he doesn't take away our grieving but it is unbelievable how God meets us at our point of grief with his comfort and care. And one of the things you'll often hear people who are walking through times like this say is, you know, you don't really ever get over losing someone close to you. But with God's help, you do get through it. Amen. I love what Psalm 34, 18 says. Throw that up on the screen for me. Read it, read it out loud, church. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. You know, this last year as a, as a church family, you know, we lost several uh, family members. You know, one of the more devastating deaths that we've had in a while um, 
was back in July when uh, Avian Blackburn, a 19-year-old uh, in our church, was killed in a motorcycle accident. And, you know, it took all of our breath away. And, and for Dave and Lauren, Jana, and, you know, the family, they're, they're, it's, just, it's just so, so difficult. Um, but as they were walking through this, um, Jana made a post on Facebook that I thought was so revealing that I think people need to hear. And she was talking about how do you find God or how God shows up, even in those moments when your heart is breaking. And I just want to read you Jana's post. This is from a 17-year-old that I think has such incredible insight into God. Here's what she says. In the midst of her grief, I am so amazed by God. Through all of this sucky situation, God has been ever-present. From the night of the accident to this day, Not one day goes by where I wonder where God is. He is right here walking through this with us. Every day I am shown his love through so many people. The outpouring of prayer and love my family and I have received is absolutely crazy. For a whole week after the accident, our house was never empty. We we constantly had friends and family here praying, crying, laughing, and feeling every other emotion with and for us. God is here. I guess what I'm saying is that God will never, ever forsake you. He is an ever-loving, ever-present God. And I'm not going to lie, life can suck. And at times it may seem like he's not there and he's just abandoned you, but he hasn't. The word says he is close to the brokenhearted. It may not be in ways that we expect, but he is. I thought in order to see God, you'd have to have some amazing worship encounter. You'd have to have one of those camp encounters where he just speaks so clearly to you. But boy, was I wrong. With each hug and tear that has been shed with me, he has been there. And it may not seem like it sometimes. But step back and look at every detail of the situation and look how God has played some part in it. Because I am certain in some way, somehow, his hand is in the situation. He is there working, transforming, and healing. Just trust him. Amen. I am not going to minimize at all the pain and grief that we go through. And I'm not going to minimize at all how that becomes amplified during this season of the year. But here's what I want you to know. Even in the midst of of your sorrow, in that very dark night of grief, God can meet you where you are. Amen. Let me give you another one. In our dark nights of failure, God comes with his grace. (laughs) God comes with his grace. How many of you have ever needed the grace of God? This week? Already this morning? <laughs> yeah. You know, when I was thinking about those, those dark nights of the soul, I, I, I was thinking about how uh, there are times when, when we fail. And sometimes when, when we fail, especially when we have failed big, you know, it's, it's really hard to forgive ourselves. And because it is, it's really hard to believe that, that God can forgive us too. But yet what we discover in God's word is, man, is that, you know what? God's grace is always greater than our sin. And I don't know about you, but I am so thankful for that. I, I was reading a, a, a study. This, I thought this was hilarious. There was a, uh, in, in Texas, a few years back, 
they had a publishing company that did a whole new series of textbooks for the education in Texas. And after they got the textbooks in, they actually gave those textbooks to a group of parents uh, to kind of go through them and just see what they thought and give any responses that they had to these new, this new textbook line that they were going to use. Well, as the parents went through the textbooks, the parents found 231 mistakes in the textbook. And not just little mistakes. Um, one of the mistakes that, that was in there is they had uh, General uh, uh, Douglas MacArthur actually being the, the one behind the anti-communist movement back in the 50s rather than Senator Joe McCarthy. Uh, they had a little thing like they had Napoleon actually winning the Battle of Waterloo. Um, they, had, they had President Truman dropping the, uh, the atom bomb on Korea rather than Japan. Just little mistakes like that that, that were scattered throughout these textbooks. And when they came back to the administration with the textbooks and said, we found 231 mistakes, the, the board thought, well, we need to kind of go through these too. And so they began to go through the books and they found even more mistakes. And so they gave them back to the parental group to go through it again and they found more mistakes and they went back and forth a few different times. When it finally, as it, as it was coming down, they finally found, are you ready for this? Over 5,200 mistakes in these textbooks. And when they confronted the publishing company and said, what's the deal? I mean, over 5,200 mistakes in these textbooks. I mean, how could, you, how could you release something like this? The publisher said, except for the mistakes, we think this is the best line of textbooks we've ever produced. <laughs> Baby, that's scary. <laughs> I laughed when I was reading this report. I'm thinking, you know, how easy it is to blow stuff off. And, and I, I thought, you know, isn't this a great, you know, symbol of incompetency? But can I be honest? I've made more than 5,200 mistakes. I've needed the grace of God more than 5,200 times in my life. Maybe some of you can get this. And I've discovered that you, no matter what, no matter where we've been, no matter what we've done or how many times we've done it, God's grace is greater than all of our mistakes lumped together. Amen. In fact, I, I love the passage of Scripture. Throw this up from, from Ephesians. This is from the living, uh, the living Bible. I just love how they, how they paraphrase this. He says, all of us used to be just like they are, the people out in the world he's talking about. Our lives expressing the evil within us, doing the, every wicked thing that our passions or our evil thoughts might lead us to. Now, I know this is long, but this is really good. Read this out loud with me, would you? But God is so rich in mercy. He loved us so much that even though we were spiritually dead and doomed by our sin, he gave us back our lives again when he raised Christ from the dead. Only by his undeserved favor have we ever been saved. You get that? Only by his undeserved favor. Look at me. I know sometimes when we fail, we look back in our life, we go, you know what? There's no way I can ever make up for that. There's no way I can undo that. There's no way I, I, I can ever, you know, be good enough to be, be, you know, to counter how bad I was. Look at me. But you don't have to. That's the great news. Paul said the only way that we are saved is by the great grace of God because God's grace alone is what is greater than our sin. Amen. Let me give you one more. God can come to us in our dark nights of helplessness. He can come with his power. 
in our dark nights of helplessness, God can come with his power. Every once in a while when I'm uh, talking with someone about um, maybe an addiction that they're struggling with or uh, a, a place that they find themselves in, it's, it's interesting how often people will say, you know, I've, I've tried and I just can't do this. I've tried. And there are situations and there are things that may be beyond our strength or ability but this is not about you trying harder. This is about coming to the point where you realize that God can do for you what you cannot do for yourself. You know, one of the, one of the joys of my journey of, of life has been walking alongside of people that I've seen who God has set free from various addictions in their life. And I've seen God break those chains. But you know what? I, I thought it might be good for you today to, to hear a personal story from someone who has been there in those places where they never should have escaped from. And just got a glimpse of how God set them free. Um, many of you know that we're uh, starting a, a recovery ministry next year. And uh, we're so grateful uh, that God brought uh, Tammy Smith to us. And she's one that is helping to run point uh, on this ministry as, as we get it started. And uh, I, when I heard Tammy's story, um, when she was sharing with me where she'd been, I just thought this is such an incredible story of what God can do that I really want you to hear this. So would you just join me in giving a very warm Chartel welcome to Tammy Smith. Thank you, Steve. Well, as Steve said, I'm Tammy Smith. Um, and I just want to tell you a little bit about um, how God has restored joy in my life. Um, I was born into a, a blended family. My mom had three boys and my dad had two boys and they got together and had me. And um, I was a spoilt little girl, right? Well, um, when I was three years old, I, I had a meningococcal, which is a really high form of spinal meningitis. And I was very sick. I was very bad off. And um, I died, actually. And uh, you have to hear that story from my mom. It's way better from her. But um, God said that 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 wasn't going to be me. The doctor said that I'd never walk again. I would either be brain dead or I would be uh, crippled up or whatever. And you can see that I'm not. And God had a different plan for my life. My parents didn't go to church at that time until after. And then they did. We all joined the church. I was three years old. For three years, um, it was the most wonderful time of our lives. My dad was the worship leader in the church, and, and uh, we just had a wonderful time. Um, but three years later, when I was six years old, my mom and dad ended up getting a divorce. And, uh, that, of course, that changed everybody's lives. Shortly after that, I got bit by a German shepherd in the face. And um, that was a pretty traumatic time in my life. Um, I had to go back for a whole year every month and get 25 shots in my face, which looks better now. But at the time, it was very bad for a little girl. And kids are mean. Kids are really, really mean. And it um, wasn't long after that. A couple years later, my oldest brother was shot and killed. My mom went and had a nervous breakdown. And um, life was kind of rough at that time. But you know what? She continued to take me to church. She continued to try to do the best that she could. And we all know that hurting people hurt people, right? So um, I got saved in a little Baptist church uh, when I was about 11 years old. And um, I, remember, I remember that experience like it was yesterday. And I remember the joy that I'd felt. But it wasn't long after that when the... Okay, 
Um, I started drinking. I started um, smoking cigarettes and smoking pot. Um, became sexually active at 14, and I had a baby at 16. And um, smoked pot, partied. You know, it was the 80s. It was all sex, drugs, and rock and roll. So that's, that was my life at the time. Um, I started doing meth when I was 26 years old. And it didn't take very long for my life to completely go downhill. Um, my son was about 10 years old at the time, and he wanted to play football. So he went to stay in Noble with Grandma, his other grandma. And uh, that allowed me to go wild, I guess. And so I spent the next five years in the wilderness, I'd like to say. I uh, was in a very bad, dark, dark place with lots of bad, bad people. And I ended up going to jail three different times with three different men. Uh, the third time I went to jail, um, I went to prison with an 18-year prison sentence. In prison. Which was the best thing that ever could have happened to me. Because God took that time and changed my life. Okay, I like to call that time in the belly of the well. I was there for three years, and uh, God showed me who I was. He taught me lots of things, showed me tremendous things. And uh, when I got out of prison, I started going to this program called Celebrate Recovery. And I went because I was already fixed, right? I already knew, you know, I, I was done with drugs. I was done with alcohol. You know, I'm good. Well, I joined a step study, and... Uh, I figured out that I wasn't quite as put together as I thought I was <laughs> because at any moment I could have been right back where I started from. And the reason is, is because the drinking, the drugs, the bad relationships, all of that were only symptoms of what my problems were. That, those weren't really my problems. Those were just symptoms of it. And those were the consequences of the things that was really going on. What was really going on is I had abandonment issues. I had codependency issues. I had self-esteem issues. I didn't even like myself. I didn't even know who I was for a long time because I always pretended to be what I thought you wanted me to be. So it took me a long time. It took God a long time to show me who I was and to show me that I was his child and I was special. I'd like to tell you that, you know, life has just been grand ever since. But unfortunately, life sucks sometimes. The same year that I got married, my husband, Mark, um, I had my second grandchild. And um, he was diagnosed with spinal muscular atrophy, um, SMA. And uh, that's been a, he's six years old now. He wasn't supposed to live to a year. And he's six years old now. That's been a pretty traumatic time in our lives. Um, we've had financial issues. Um, you know, my brother, my, my second to the oldest brother, committed suicide back in March. And uh, that's been really hard on our families as well. But you know what? I didn't go back to drinking for any of that. I didn't go back to drugging for any of that because I know that God has me and God has a plan for my life. And being a part of a recovery group gave me the tools that I need in order to face life on life's terms. And I just want to encourage you all to uh, join a step study, get involved with Celebrate Recovery. It's not about drinking. It's not about drugging. It's about what's going on in your heart. So, thank you. Thank you, Ben.
You know, when, when Tammy told me her story, um, it was everything I could do to just keep from bawling as I listened. Because she should be a statistic. She should be one of those people in our society that is found in a newspaper somewhere. That, that was the end of their story. But in the midst of what Tammy could not do for herself, God reached out and took hold of her and has done incredible things in her life. Tammy, one of the things Tammy didn't share was that not only did God get her out, but Tammy spent 10 years in the prison, actually as a leader of Celebrate Recovery for women who were in the prison. God took those things that the enemy has meant for evil, and he has redeemed it in her life for good. That's the kind of God that we serve. Yeah, I don't know what your issues are. I don't know what you may be facing in your life. But what I do know is this. God's power and ability, he can meet you right where you are in the midst of whatever you're dealing with. And God, if he can help Tammy overcome what she had to overcome, he can help you. Amen? There's a passage of scripture I love. Throw that up on the screen for me, would you please? O sovereign God, O sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your strong hand and powerful arm. Read it with me, church. Nothing is too hard for you. Read it again. Nothing is too hard for you. Do you believe that? Well, this morning, um, I want to give you just a a couple of moments to, to lean into God for Whatever dark place you might need him to come to. Uh, Rachel, why don't you go ahead and come on back. I'm going to ask my prayer partners if you guys would go ahead and take your positions. Um, And this morning, Rachel's going to lead us in just a a beautiful song that's a real cry of the heart that says, Jesus, I need you. And you may be uh, in a dark time of sorrow and need God's comfort. You may be in a deep hole of need and need God's provision. Uh, you, you may be at a place where you need God to do something that you're not even sure you think he can do. And you may be needing to take a step of faith and ask yourself the question, do you really believe that nothing is too hard for God? Maybe you find yourself in a place where, you know, you say, Pastor Steve, I've tried. You know, I've tried to overcome this. I've tried. I know you have. But maybe it's not about you trying harder. Maybe it's about you coming to a place where you realize that you can't do this, but God can. So this morning, however you need God to come to you, I I just want you to spend a few moments just leaning into him as Rachel leads us in singing a song. You can can have a quiet moment right where you are in the pew where you're sitting and just lean into God from there. There may be some of you who want a moment alone and you want to come to an altar where you can just kneel and just have a moment with God and say, God, would you meet me here? There may be some of you that would say, boy, I really would love someone just to pray with me about what I'm facing in my life. And We have prayer partners in all four corners of the room. They'd be more than happy to pray with you about whatever it is you're facing or dealing with. But let's spend these next few moments just allowing God to come to us at night and meet us with his love and his grace. Would you bow your heads and could I just ask everyone to just close your eyes for a moment before I pray I I just wonder if there might be uh, just a few of us that would be honest enough to admit that um, you're not doing real well right now this is a hard time for you and you need God to come to you at your place in the night this morning I'd just like to 
see your hand so I can, in my mind, pray specifically for you. Wherever you are, just slip your hand up. and just Hey, Pastor, that's me. Yeah, yeah. Lots of us. Yeah, thank you for your honesty. Let me pray for you. Father, you, uh, you were the last thing the shepherds were expecting that night, and they were out there in the field. They thought they were all alone, but they weren't. You had your eye on them. You knew right where they were. And you were going to do something that they could have never begun to imagine. And Father, for some of us, that's kind of where we've been recently. Uh, it seems like the, the fog has moved in and the sky has grown dark. Our life feels very heavy right now. And quite frankly, Lord, there are a number of us that we're struggling to find our way. God, you saw every hand that was raised. And you know exactly what they're going through. Lord, would you, would you do something this morning? Would you reach out your hand and would you, would you lay it upon their shoulder? Would you let each and every one of your children know this morning that they are never alone, that you will never leave them or forsake them? And no, you don't always stop the night from coming. And no, you don't always stop the bad things from happening. And, and no, you, you don't always prevent all of the tragedies that mark and scar our lives. But you do promise that you are Emmanuel, God with us. And so, Father, right now, would you wrap your arms around each one of these? Would you, would you let them know that you've got them? Would you give them strength where they find themselves weak? Would you give them comfort where they're grieving? Would you, would you give them peace where they find themselves anxious? And, Lord, would you be their provision where they find themselves in great need? Would you do again today? what you did on that Christmas morning in the field. Father God, we love you so much. This season of the year reminds us that you haven't given up on us. Would you help us not to give up on you? We love you, Lord. It's in your precious name we pray today. And everyone said, amen. Amen. 